0: You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Good morning, everybody. Thank you. It's great uh, to be together this morning. appreciate Steve Ulm, the our bassist. As I was walking in, he was walking out, he gave me some good advice. He says, don't mess up, Ken. Love you, too, man. (laughs) It's great to to be together uh, this morning. Um, We're in the midst of the holidays. Uh, I've been eating a lot of candy. Uh, I I took uh, Gabby to school the other day, and she was telling her friends that my dad ate all my candy. So I was putting on my skinny jeans today, my wife stopped me. And she said, you better change your pants, Ken. And anyway, it was good advice. It was good advice because it looked good, but uh, I had a hard time breathing, so... Good advice, Lena. But uh, this morning, it's great uh, to be together as the Johnsons, uh, Susan uh, alluded to. I wanna, yeah, let's give it, Johnsons. Powerful women of God. Uh, as uh, she alluded to, uh, Brittany, we uh, put Brittany on as a uh, intern for our teen and youth ministry. Let me get Brittany to stand on up again so I can formally introduce her uh, to you. Brittany's been doing a great job Uh, she moved here about six months ago and just fell in love with the teens and really uh, we really appreciate uh, your work and really more than anything else your love uh, for the teen girls and you've had a great impact so far so thank you so much for coming down Uh, as I said we're in the middle of the holiday season and we're beginning a kind of like a tradition uh, for the coastal LA region is that we put a play together uh, something for us to enjoy as a family but also, something that we can invite our friends and neighbors to as well. So it's going to be on De- in December, I think 12th and 13th, right, Saturday and Sunday. Um, we have our uh, Christmas banquet as the West Side Church on Tuesday. So I want to encourage us to go on the two shows on Sunday. Amen? But uh, they put together a little trailer, so we'll be watching that uh, at this time. So, Joe. What are you? Where things are not always as they seem. Whatever you are, please don't hurt us. We'll do whatever you want. One night at the ball. Shut the hole! We'll change this family's life forever. Mommy, why does Daddy look so sad? Dreams for this fun family comedy. Night. At the Nativity. Christmas Day. Final a substitution for a regular Sunday time of worship. This is a somewhat outrageous Christmas play purchased for outreach to the community, as well as fun for the church family. It's not intended to be a complete representation of the gospel message. Please refer to Luke two one through twenty for the actual inspired nativity story. Purchase tickets at nightatthenativity dot com. Price of the door will be more expensive, so it is recommended that you plan ahead and order online. Right. Pretty dramatic stuff, huh? All right, um, we've been starting a, uh, well, we we're kind of in the middle that we've been doing a series called Spiritual Formation, and uh, basically, as Joe's loading it up, basically what it is, is this: just as Christians, we believe that God is working in our lives, that we don't look just forward to going to heaven one day, but that in this lifetime, that God is working with us and helping us to become more and more like his son, Jesus. So we enjoy the ride. We enjoyed what it means to be shaped by God, that he takes a genuine interest in our lives. And I love this um, picture a lot because it shows the hands are dirty, you know. It's not this nice little formation of clay and stuff. It's dirty. God gets down and dirty in our lives. And he wrestles things out and he shapes us and he forms us. And that's what spiritual formation, the concept of it is that as Christians, God is working in our lives. I think about that a lot. I think about, well, who am I that God would even take such a genuine interest in my life? You know, as we approach the holiday season, we feel, you know, excited and happy. And, but I don't know about you, but I, I think I shared this a couple of weeks ago. I get a little melancholy during the holiday season. Because it's during the holiday season that you feel a little lonely sometimes. And you know there are a lot of people around the world that do feel um, it's more pronounced. But I think about God a lot. I think about it in terms of like, well, who am I that God takes a genuine interest in my life? Not just so that securing heaven and salvation and all that, but in this lifetime, he's working in it. He's, he's trying to shape me. He's trying to form my character. And I hope we feel the same way, that we have a personal relationship with God. That He's looking out for us. So even though we're going through, like what Jarel shared about, even tough times in our lives, that God is working. I hope that we feel that way. That we are not alone. Not only is He with us, but He's working in our character as well. How many of us, in, of us in this room feel like, you know, there's some things in our character that needs to be worked on? All of us, right? You don't need to raise your hand. I mean, all of us. We all. Oh, how, how many of us don't? I mean, maybe that's a better question. We all feel it, right? We all know. You know, uh, I'm not a big MMA fan, but you guys know what happened last night? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I, I have a hard time. I got three girls. I, it's like I don't have the stomach for women beating each other up like that, right? It's like, it's like ooh, I look at it, it's like it scares me. But she got beat up. Ronda Rousey got beat up in the second round. And it's, it's, just, don't look at it, it's, it's awful. This is awful, you know. Um, I don't know where that came from. Let me see my notes. I was just <laughs> kidding. Okay. I think that was just on my heart, you know. Um, I know where it came from. You know, sometimes we got to get humble. Thank God, work on us. And we think that we can go on and on and on and on. But uh, there's always something that uh, is in need of, of working. Uh, through. And God does that for us in his love. Now, the next slide. Oh, I got one of these. I should do this. Sorry, Joe, I was putting the pressure on you, but I got, I got the thing myself. All right. We started off on October 1st, and we talked about this, book based on the book of Galatians, about living free. The second part was just about how we are all part of a community together. So our freedom that God has given us, we use that freedom to serve one another to give to one another. Two weeks ago, we talked about crucial conversation, and I felt that was a really good lesson for us in terms of learning how to talk to one another and being instruments of God in God shaping and forming us that God is not just using his words, but he uses us as well. That we have a really crucial role in each other's lives. Amen. I don't know about you. I'm a big chicken myself. I don't like conflict, contrary to popular belief. You know, I don't. You know, I try to avoid it if I I can because it's messy and it's, you know, it takes time and, you know, I'd rather not. But God calls us to have great conversations with one another. Appreciate Chaz last week, did a great job on into his likeness and shared very vulnerably about what he went through and how God shaped his life and how God took him from this crazy college student into really becoming the man that he is today, but more than that, into the man that uh, God wants him to be. In the future. Today, it really is a two-part study uh, about authority, because really, if you look at it, our church is run by God's spirits. It is not any man or any woman or any structure or organization that we are the true church of God. That we are run by His spirit. So it's really a two-part series. But today, we're going to talk about authority um, in our church and in our world. Amen? And it will close out on December 6th. We have a guest speaker, um, Cecil Lopez, going to come in, and we'll put this all together and talk about what it means to be a new creation. I don't know about you. I'm excited about that. I'm excited that even though I'm celebrating my birthdays, my birthdays are coming up really fast. Yeah, does it, is, is it like that when you get older? I mean, your birthdays are just... Like, I just remember I celebrated last year, had dinner with some friends. This year, I had dinner with the same friends. So, I'm like, hey, what happened to that last year? But it keeps going. But uh, God has a new plan for us that we're continually changing and growing. This is the spirit of spiritual formation. David understood it. He said, What? He says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And in the midst of all the stuff that's going on around the world today, there's certainly a lot of anxious thoughts. You know, the Pope uh, came out after the massacre in in, uh, Paris and basically says, this is the beginning of the Third World War. It's a new kind of war. It's not going to be, it's borderless, and it's going to go around the world. And the French president himself says, the gloves are off. We're going to respond. We're going to respond mercilessly, and we're going to respond ruthlessly. This is going to unleash really so many things. If you think about the last four weeks, how many people have died in the hands of terrorism? It's pretty amazing. Before Paris, there was Lebanon. Before Lebanon, there was a flight that was taken down uh, over Egypt. Before that, you know, I mean, it's happening. Uh, you know, Jarrell, Lena, and I. Um, And Veronica had breakfast yesterday, and uh, out in the streets, out in Culver City downtown. And sure enough, there were some police presence already uh, that we're beginning to see our lives are going to change, and these things are going to be starting to happen even in our neighborhoods. God forbid, but, you know, that's what we look forward to. He says what? He says, see if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me to the way everlasting. So what is David talking about? David says, yeah, there's the world. There's a global scene. All these things are going on. I'm feeling a little anxious. I got a lot of stuff going on. I'm just a little guy, you know, living out my life. But he says, what can I do? He says, God, see if there's anything offensive in me. We can't control everything, but we can control some things. And he says, God, work in me. Help me to become what you want me to become. And lead me to something that is greater something that is everlasting. Also, it was last week here at home, we had some, some things that had happened in the last two weeks, but really, it's, to me, it's been fascinating to watch as I watch the news and, and to see things unfolding on all the different campuses uh, throughout the United States. It's been fascinating to see the president of a top university step down because of pressure from from the kids. And to me, what blew me away was just the process that did not happen for him to step down. And we have this issue today in terms of racial, economic disparity, and it came to a boil in the University of Missouri, and the president himself stepped down without any due process, just from the pressure from the students. To me, that was pretty amazing, pretty unprecedented in many ways. And it shows me that there are things going on in our midst that are a cause for us to be anxious about. And then obviously, uh, two nights ago, three nights ago, what happened in Paris, 129 people died, and over 350 people um, are, uh, are injured, and some seriously, the death toll will probably go up. So what does this have to do with spiritual formation? has everything to do with it. So we live in this world where it's a fallen world. We live in this world where we see all these things happen. How do we respond to it as a people of faith? Do we go into our room and just kind of hide out and ignore everything? Or do we engage it? How do we engage it? Do we go out and protest, you know? Do we put a little French flag in our Facebook? You know, is that enough? Is that the start? What do we do? What do we do about the injustice that we see on campus or in our workplace? Do we go and protest in the middle of downtown LA or on our campuses, you know, in the the middle of Bruins Square? What do we do? And what does the Bible say about that? Or does the Bible teach us, you know, to go into the mountaintop and just kind of ignore everything? We know that that's not true. How do we respond to it? And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Amen? Let's say a prayer. Father, we're so grateful to you. Uh, God, we live in a different world, God, today. God, even as we meet here in this room, we feel a little less secure that everything's going to be fine. God, we know that at any time something can happen and that, uh, Father, we are really unstable as we live in this fallen world. Father, any sense of stability, any, any stretch of time of peace is, is very short and that, uh, God, we have to always look over our shoulders. God, teach us how to respond. God, teach us how to rely on you and depend on you. God, as we pray for each other and we pray for the people of of France, God, as they really recover from this great tragedy and the thousands and thousands of families that have been affected by it as well. Father, we pray that you help us to prepare, God, to do the best that we can. Uh, Father, please be with the authorities, uh, God, whether here or throughout the world. And God, help us to, to really be vigilant. And I got to do our parts as well. God, we need you so much. God, please be with us. Form us. Give us open hearts, God, as we study out your word. God, the best thing that we can do today, right now, is to really open up our words to your heart, uh, to, uh, to our hearts, to your word, and allow us to really see what you're trying to do in us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Authority. You know, when the Apostle Paul, in the book of Galatians, he was dealing with a church that had gone through a lot of turmoil. And we knew a little history. We know a little history from the previous few weeks. But Paul started off his letter by saying this. He says, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men or by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. Sometimes when we come together and we see each other and we meet together, and sometimes we forget the most important person in this whole equation. And who's that? That's God Himself. So when Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, all the churches, he said what? He says, Listen, I'm not representing myself here. I got all the brothers and sisters with me, but at the end of the day, I am sent not by man or from man but I am sent from God. There's got to be an understanding that what we do individually and collectively, there's a sense of God being at the scene as well. Amen? There's got to be that sense of like, okay, I'm not alone here. We're not alone here. That God, His presence, somehow, some way, is here. And that's what Paul, in his introductory point to the Galatians, was that listen, I got a lot of stuff to tell you. I got a lot of stuff to talk about, but I want you to know right from the get go that this is of God. That is so important for us to really understand. We forget God, as amazing as it is, we forget Him. And we we look at each other and we go, you know, this is lacking, or this is good, or that's great. And I appreciate what Jarrell says. We, we, We put crutches on these people that we rely on, which is great. But ultimately, Paul says, listen, it's going to fail us. And I'm coming to you as a man from God, of God, not of my own accord. So in some ways, we even have to go see beyond the person and beyond the circumstances and to see God behind it all. That's how Paul started in the book of Galatians. That's how we should start as well in everything that we look at. And any problem that we see. Okay, where does God fit into this? And what does God fit into what I'm saying? What does God fit into what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling? And this problem at hand, how do we bring God into the equation in fixing this together? And Paul says, listen, that is of the utmost importance. His first sentence, his first line in his letter, God is here. I'm not on my own. You know, in Proverbs it says, that many seek an audience with the ruler, but it is from the Lord that one gets justice. Don't get me wrong. The Bible is a book about justice. I mean, you look at the Bible and there's like justice. I mean, God talks about all these things that permeate society today, whether it's slavery, not directly, that's not the main problem, or unfair uh, business practices, or you look at the book of uh, all the books in the, in, in the Bible, it's amazing how God deals with it. Not the way that maybe we like to deal with it, but everything in every way, God is working through it. But the Bible says this that this, this proverb, this, this person understood. We try so hard to get an audience. If I can only speak to this person, if I can bring this person down, or if I can topple this, this regime. But what does God say? He says that it is from God that we get our justice. What's the point here? The point here is that to dig deep into our hearts, to dig deep into our mind and our psyche, that justice comes from God. God is the ultimate authority. God is ultimately the person that we need to be accountable to. You know, what did Jesus say? You know, in the midst of all the killings and the bombings and and this. And Jesus said this. He said, you know, do not be afraid of those that can kill the body and do what? And do no more. But be afraid. Be afraid of the one that is in control of our souls. Be afraid of him. You know, what's pretty amazing about these terrorists is that it's a new wave of terrorism. They went into the theater they didn't have any mask on. They all had belts of bombs in their bodies, meaning what? That they considered their lives. This is it. This is their final act. And all the people on TV, and they'll tell you, is well, how do we fight something like that? How do we how do we battle something where these people have no regards for their own lives, let alone regards for the lives of innocent people around? It's a new kind of enemy where they don't care about their physical life. But God says, what? God says, look, you know what? Despite all that, be afraid of me. I'm the one. It's not just this body. Be afraid of me. I'm the one that's going to take care of your soul. I'm the one that's going to give you ultimate justice. God is the authority. How does this bring peace to us today? It's pretty amazing. When I see stuff on TV, whether it's 9-11, and by the way, after 9-11 or um, uh, Pearl Harbor, those are the spikes. If you look at the spikes of American people volunteering for the military, those are the spikes after uh, Pearl Harbor and after 9-11. A lot of people volunteering during those times. It's a natural reaction, isn't it? I mean, you want to be Rambo. You want to get the guns out. You want to, you know what? You know, it's like even Donald Trump. I'm not trying to political here. I'm just saying that he said that, you know, it would be different if all those people had guns in the... the, I don't know if that's the solution. I don't know if that's the solution. But that's instinctively, that's what we feel, right? Like, give me a gun, then. Let me get out there and start, you know, going off on some things here. But this scripture alone gives us so much peace that if God says, listen, I'll take care of that, that we don't have to, that at the end of the day, that God says, listen, all that stuff, I'll take care of it. You just sit and work on your relationship with me. You take care of that part, I'll take care of the rest. I don't know about you, but it, it gives me great peace and allows me to go, you know what? Okay, God is the ultimate authority. God is the ultimate authority. In Matthew chapter 7, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he had taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. This is right after when Jesus did the Sermon on the Mount, where he laid out the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes was not a five-point plan on how to counter terrorism. The Beatitudes was not a ten-point plan on how to combat racism. The Beatitudes was not a 15-point plan on how to com- combat you know, uh, women's rights. It was a set of stories and, 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 and teachings about how we can be in our relationship with God and in our relationship with one another. That was Jesus' solution And when the people heard this, something resonated in their hearts. That they knew, they knew, that even Jesus had no authority legally. He had no title. He was a handyman from Nazareth. That what he said, his words resonated so much that these people said of him that this man spoke with such authority. And not just from our leaders of the day. That's what the Bible is about. It's about authority that God has given. It's about authority that that resonates beyond the years, beyond the problems of our day. That's the kind of authority that the Bible really talks about in regards to our relationship with Him. In Matthew 28, so we see Jesus at the beginning of His ministry We see the post-resurrected Jesus so that we as a people of God can have the confidence as well that we had talked about earlier that he's not just a nice guy going around teaching nice things. He says, Then Jesus came to them and said at the end of his ministry, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What is the constant theme here? He says, I got this. Jesus says, I got this. You don't have to worry about, you know, I got authority in heaven. I got authority, ultimate authority on earth. Everything that happens it has got to go through me. He said, you don't have to worry about anything. What you have to worry about is what? Do your part. Do my part. You know, next year, as we look at church building for the west side, how do we form, you know, the west side as a community? I want us to really think about this scripture. That's going to be our theme for 2016, is to go back to our purpose of going and disciple the nations making disciples, starting with our little community here on the west side. God is in total control. God is in total control. And the operative word there is total. Total control. We're going to go back to the Old Testament and take a look at the book of Habakkuk. And we're going to read a couple of passages here. And it's going to encourage us that we are not alone. We're not alone. Like what Jarrell was was feeling. You know, we're not alone. We look at the problems of the world and we go, you know what, God? Are you like hard of hearing? Are you like a little blind? Do you not see what's going on? Can you not stop these things? And that's what Habakkuk was feeling in Habakkuk chapter 1. Did I stall long enough so you can find Habakkuk? It's a little obscure book in the Old Testament. Habakkuk was a prophet in verse 1. He says, uh, in verse 2, he says, How long, O Lord, must I call for help? You feel that way? But you do not listen. Or cry out, violence, but you do not say it. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong?" Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflicts abound. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. He goes, Man, I, I, I don't know what's going on here. I'm frustrated, I'm angry. You know, when I read this, you know what fires me up? is that God allows Habakkuk to feel that way. Isn't that cool? It's not only that God allows him to feel that way, but actually records it in his book. That says, you know what? I don't mind that you protest to me. That's what I appreciate about God, that he's big enough, that he's not intimidated by what we feel. He's not thrown off by what we feel. He's not like, he's not like you know, angry at even. He explains to Habakkuk what's going to happen. And the truth of the matter is that Habakkuk's not going to like it. And he launches his second, I think even a third complaint. And God even allows him to do that. So besides the point that God allows us to complain, which means that when we have a problem, do we go to God first or do we go to each other first? Do we pray about it? Do we, are we becoming like Jesus, where, you know, He cries out? That always challenges me, don't you think? In His ministry, that Jesus cries out with loud cries and tears. In my relationship with my wife, I put her through a lot of grief. I tell her stuff that I wouldn't tell you guys. And my wife is not in a position, I've learned throughout the years, to listen to all my garbage... To listen to all my feelings. I have a lot of feelings. Maybe sometimes there's one feeling. Just listen to my one feeling. You know, but sometimes I have a lot of feelings. But you know what I realized over the years is that I put my wife through this, something that she just cannot handle because she's not God. And I think we do that to one another as well. That we talk and we, we don't go to God and the problem becomes big, and our God becomes small. Whereas Habakkuk is figuring out that if God is big, bigger than the, the, the grave situation that's going on, then our problems relatively become small. God told Habakkuk what was going to happen. It wasn't, it wasn't good. He says, actually, Habakkuk, I'm going to do something that you're not going to like. I'm going to raise up these ruthless Babylonians or whomever it is, They're going to come in and they're going to exact justice from me. And you're going to witness this and you're not going to like it. Habakkuk launches a second complaint. He goes on and on and on. God gives him another answer until the end. Check out what his conclusion is. In Habakkuk chapter 3, in verse 16. He says, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound, decay crept into my bones, and my legs tremble. You know, I appreciate the honesty that Abakkuk had. It's not like everything's great, everything's perfect. He said, no, nah, things are not good. It's tough, and I'm feeling it. He in my bones, it's rotting away from the inside. He said, I can't even stand still, I'm so nervous, I'm so scared of what's going to happen. He says, I just I can't do this. He says, my heart, it's going to jump out of the, the cavities of my, my, you know, my, my ribcage. It's going to jump out because I'm, I'm just anticipating these things. And yet, what he says is this. And yet, I will wait patiently on a day of calamity to come on a nation invading us. He says, listen, I, I have no other choice Though the fig tree does not bud, there are no grapes on the vine. Though the olive crops fail, the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will stay, be joyful in God my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on new heights. God is the one. Spiritual formation, that's what it is. Is God taking a genuine interest in our lives to make us into becoming what He wants us to become? To look at the world, and despite all the difficulties, and despite everything that is thrown at us, we have the feet of a deer. We can climb the mountains that God wants us to climb. I don't know about you, I think that's pretty cool. I don't know about you, I'm pretty grateful that God stoops down I think we talked about that two weeks ago, to make us great. And I know there are so many of us that are going through some stuff in our marriages, in our jobs, in our schools. This, you know, that's just in our little sphere. Forget about all the global stuff that goes on. And God says, listen, I, I got you covered. I got you covered. Amen? Let me share a little bit about my experience. I learned very quickly that we are not in control. This is 1975, when the country of Vietnam fell into communist hands. I was nine years old. I was a little kid. And, and I was one of those people lining up uh, to get on the plane to escape the communists coming in. That's just a picture I found on the internet. That's not like an actual picture. How did you get that, Ken? That's just a picture on the internet. Okay. There I was. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I wasn't. But I was one of those people. I mean, we left two days. Before the fall of Saigon. Pretty intense stuff. I learned very quickly that things happen. Your whole world can be shattered. You can be taken from one day, you know, a little, little nice little place in Vietnam, into a new, whole new country within hours. You see what Lena has to put up with? She grew up in San Marino, California. Number two. In 1989, I was a college student on campus, and the great earthquake, San Francisco Oakland earthquake, happened. It was like a 7.0 near 7.0 earthquake that happened, and literally from my campus, I saw the earth roll, just like just like this this, this the, the top uh, left-hand picture, the earth rolled for like it seemed like a minute. I mean, the earth literally was like a wave of the in the ocean of just rolling waves on the ground. It was 10 seconds of pure humility in a very prideful city in San Francisco. Everybody was humble. That whether it was man-made, a war in 1975, or something that God made or allowed, we are not in control for sure. And I think we would live a really good life if we can figure that out, that God is in control. Amen? You ask. This is Job after arguing with God. He says, you ask, Who is this that obscured my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. That was Job's conclusion. Just like Habakkuk. He says, listen God, into thy hand I commit my life. You know, a lot of people say that all the stuff that's going on today comes from really what happened here. And I show this picture because of of just what we just read, that we don't know. We try to fix things, whether at a country level or a personal level. We put our hands in there. We try to fix things. A lot of people actually say that that's what, and I'm not trying to be political on you here. I'm just trying to say that, look, we are not in control. If we do one thing, other things happen. We are not in control. Point number two, what about us? What about our community here on the west side? What about us? Point number two, whatever happens, and it comes from a scripture that we're going to be looking at. Let's turn our Bibles to Romans chapter 13. What about us? So we see all these great events going on around us. What about us? How do we respond? Again, the Christians didn't like the answer. They were living under an oppressive Roman government. And here comes Paul, who's going to be thrown in jail by the same government. Who's going to be, you know, beheaded by the same government. And this is what he wrote. Mind-blowing stuff. He says, Everyone must submit, verse 1, himself, to the governing authorities... For there is no authority except that which God has established. That's faith, brothers and sisters, in the ultimate authority of God. He says, you know, all this stuff happened, we all have problems with authority, right? Whether it's our father, our mothers, our unfair brothers, sisters, and whatever, But this is Paul, who's going to be beheaded by this government, who was thrown in jail numerous times by this government. says there is no authority under heaven that is not instituted by God. And we learn a little bit of that by what's going on today. We try to stick our hands in there. Sometimes we make things worse. And Paul says, let God be God. That's our role. And we submit to God's authority here on earth. As we close out, let's take a look at Philippians chapter 1 and 2. The writings of Paul again. You know, Paul goes through the book of Philippians. He wrote this from one of those jails, supposedly, according to historians. And he wrote this and he said, and we'll jump into chapter 2. He says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. He was in jail. And he was writing to these people he says, I hope that you get to be encouraged being in Christ. That puts things in perspective for our lives, doesn't it? That we probably don't have it as bad, at least to Paul. That we, we might have actually be in a pretty good situation. He says, if you have any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, working together, finding our common grounds in Christ, looking for the good, adding to the work, building up the church of Christ. Having the same love, being one spirit and one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. What is good for you? What is good for your family? What is good for us together, collectively? We put that first. Verse four: Each of you should not look. Uh, he, each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also in the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same of that of Christ Jesus, who, being the very same, uh, the, who, is, who in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, and even death on a cross. You know, I do want to lift up Jarrell and Veronica. They're not full-time ministers at all. Jarrell's got a full-time job. because she's in college. She's working. But this past few months, you know, they, they've, on their own, they said, listen, let me, each one of us, let me lead the singles ministry. Seems like we have a vacuum here. We don't have any leadership right now, a head leadership in the singles ministry, let me lead this thing. And I appreciate them. We got together yesterday. Let me serve. Let me become a slave of the singles ministry. And, and they really are doing a phenomenal, phenomenal job. I, I can't tell you how grateful we are, Lena and I, to them, that they've taken us on. They said, listen, let, we'll take the singles ministry off your plates. And I want to say that right now in public. Just to affirm that. Amen? Let's close out in verse 8. He says, uh, Being found in his appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Verse 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. And God gave him the name that is above every name. That at at the name of Jesus, every knee... Shall, should bow in heaven and on earth under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So God is ultimately in control. I love the way he said it. In heaven and on earth and even beneath the earth. Our parts is whatever happens, let's conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of Christ. Amen? There's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to come down the pike. The world is in turmoil. And I think it's going to affect us more than you think in the next few years. But whatever happens, let's be the church that God wants us to become. Amen. Thank you very much. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit the westsidechurch.com or laicc.net.